The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. So welcome to Tuesday Morning <laughs> Coffee with Brad Smotherman's Investor Creator and Big Polly and somebody might have a scope on you. All right, buddy, tell us the story. All right. So we're we're in a particular state and we're, we're wanting to develop in this state. And the area that we were initially shooting for, we kind of got distracted from that because about an hour west started from nothing Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we had a guy contacted us. He wanted to sell. It didn't make sense. I hit him with proposed the sub two and he bid on it. And our payment on this, our, our underlying is like 400 and something with the HOAs. With HOAs. With HOAs, everything. So even if we called it 490, we're in great shape. Rent is 1700. Okay. Why wouldn't we want to get more deals like this? Uh, so we started focusing. Was on there that. a walk away? Uh, yeah, we had a nineteen thousand dollar walk away. Okay. But the equity that we captured was phenomenal. The monthly cash. What flow, do you think your ARB was? You know, I don't even remember because it soon became not a major focus for us. Okay. Right when we were looking at our 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 cash flow situation, did you have repairs? No repairs. We we cleaned the carpets and we sent a cleaning crew in. Mm. So that was our repairs. Big spenders. Go ahead. Yeah. So so it it's great. I went out there. Okay. Right. I, I just I had things to go take care of in the area. So One hour west there. of Des Moines. Yes, west of Des Moines, and it was. I just liked the area. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked the area, and we get another phone call in this area. And this person that calls us is a mortgage broker. Okay. And she didn't have enough equity that made it attractive for us to capture the equity with the walk away that she wanted. So we just kept going back and forth. She hits me with a sub two. Like this is the heavens opening up uh. and, and God just saying, here you go. Right. Mm. And so I'm all over it. it the sub two. So makes she, sense. she says to you, Hey, why how does she say that? So she had talked to somebody else and they, they, I think the problem was the walk away. Okay. And she said, would you, and it could be someone in this organization for that matter, because they went pretty hard on some two with her right. to the point where she got it. She understood it. She wanted to, she wanted to do it and she propositioned it. So she, she knew the deal was only going to happen. Right. It was the subject too. Right. That underlying. So all the numbers made sense. So we said, let's do it. And we got her from a $30,000 to $15,000 walk away. Mm. She did say, I got, I have an issue. I have a renter that we're trying to evict. And uh. the reason that I'm trying to say this nicely, I'm, I'm trying to hold back words I want to use. Right. Well, um, you done said God in the program too. So we can't be saying God and you messing up some other little skanky words yeah well i wasn't trying to go that far yeah. <laughs> but so 
what happened is they tried to sell it on the retail market through a realtor. And the people who are living there would not let the realtors in. Um, This is what she's telling us. They wouldn't let anyone come into the house. They lost. Yeah. So they lost sales. So now she just was trying to get a a cash deal. You know, we're, none of us are afraid of bad tenants. You know, it's something that we take as part of the deal. It's it's a selling point for us. Right. So we're, get the PSA signed. We're moving forward. She's filing to get the eviction process started. And then I'm doing some little more research and just trying to get some numbers together. And I see the house is still listed. So I call her up. She says, well, we had an agent, but we agreed to stop it because we can't sell it. And the problems with the tenant and stuff. Okay, good. You know, we have to believe our people. We've got to trust, but verify, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're not there. We're not looking them in the face. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that's hard for me to do. I have to teach myself and tell myself. We got to trust, but verify. Yeah, we do that too when we're asking them about repairs. Yep. We trust on the front end, then we're going to verify with an inspection. Absolutely. So, so she's telling me it was done with. Well, something told me I need to contact okay. the realtor. So I contact the realtor. The agreement was never terminated, uh, it was still listed. So, you know, at first we're like, okay, well, we're just going to kill the deal. It doesn't make sense. And then as we start dealing with this realtor, she starts getting antsy. She starts getting irritated. She went from, no, this is listed. I don't know why she's doing this to you're going to have to pay my commission. She's demanding her payment commissions from us. And I'm like, well, we don't have a contract with you, right? We're not going to interfere with your contract. By all means, your seller can sell to us. She has to pay you, not us. We're not going to tell her to break your contract. It's interesting that she moved from the seller to you trying to tie you down. That's right. Absolutely. That can only mean one thing. That can only mean one thing. All right. It's about beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> she wanted a copy of the PSA. I'm not going to turn over the PSA. Uh-huh. She's already already shown that she's going to be adversarial. Uh-huh. So she's not going to get any more cooperation from us. Mm-hmm. So she gets her broker involved. The broker gets in contact with the seller says, hey, we just want to know what's going on. Send us a copy of your agreement with that. Well, what his goal was is to find out what we were buying it for so they can lock down what their commission rate was going to be yeah. from the sale. So then he sends a demand letter over to us. From him or his attorney? From him. Uh-huh. Threatening his attorney. And ready for this? The realtor was going to put a lien on the property to assure that they get their commission. Which he cannot do. Cannot do. And we know he cannot do this, uh, right? But but he doesn't know you know. He doesn't know we know. He came to the poker table pretending he had a royal flash and he didn't even have a pair. He also does not know that you now know that he wears boxers. That's I mean, right. there's nothing about anyone that you can't find out. So, and him not knowing that. Right. But still knowing something, you always want to verify it. Especially when you get into different states, you know, laws can change dramatically from right. one mile of a border, right? So we verified that they can't put a lien on the property. If right. they could, then it'd be a slander of title issue. And so we're okay, this makes sense, but there's still the agreement issue. So we get the seller to send us over a copy of their exclusive listing agreement with this realtor. Now, this realtor, it's not like it's just a little mom, pa realtor. I mean, they're part of a nationwide organization. That is their initials. So 
we get the letter. We want to see the, their exclusive listing agreement. So we have the seller send it to us. It looks like a legit. Um, she signed it where it needs to be signed. The one thing I didn't notice was a signature from the agent or the broker. They didn't execute it on their end. So the, so the seller signed it, but the broker did not execute it on their end, nor, nor the realtor. That's correct. Okay. So, so at this point, it's not a. Well, in this state, I'll, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into that. So, so they, they send it to us or the seller sends it to us. And then we request from the, the broker a copy of their exclusive listing agreement. Mm-hmm. So he sends us a copy of their, their agreement along with a copy of our PSA. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at it. And I notice it doesn't have the signatures. And mind you, this was done in dot loop. So it records the signature, puts the date and time in automatically. You know it's there. And right. it's, there's a genealogy form that says when it was created, when it was sent, all that fun stuff, right? So this was, I think, in October. And it's important to note the date that it was in October of 2022. So we get it. And I'm looking, I'm like, they didn't sign this agreement. So understanding typically that if they're supposed to sign the contract and they don't, it's not a contract because the consideration is not done and both parties haven't signed. So we reach out to a local attorney and he says, well, I think there's a case to be made because they, they signed it, the seller signed it and the realtor is actually engaged in trying to sell the property. So I think that's a losing argument in the end. Okay. So we're like, ah, well, that's a bummer. So I then contact the um, realtor and I, what I did is I took her information, her name, her number, and I put her into RE simply the, the CRM that we use, because when I call out through that, it automatically records all conversations inbound and outbound. And I wanted these conversations to be recorded. So I get her on the phone. She's talking. She's like, yep, that's the correct agreement. All right. There's no other agreement. No. I said, well, there's an issue here. It's not signed by you or your broker. Oh, did he send you the wrong one? I'm like, well, apparently, right? I just want the one with your signatures on it. So at this point, I'm assuming that they have a signed copy. This was just an oversight or they printed out the wrong version or whatever. So she sends it over. And when I look at it, it's not a dot loop signature or a dot loop date. She took her signature and Photoshopped it into the document. And then she photoshopped the date into the document. Mm. So now I have a signed document. But when was it signed? That's right. That's the million dollar question. So, you know, I get I get really analytical at this point. I'm going to figure this out. I know it's fraud. I know the agent and her broker are involved in the fraud. So that that's kind of that's kind of the unique thing that's gotten, you know, me thinking that there should be spooky music in the background in this this uh Tuesday morning coffee here. So <laughs> it's like I want to hear that big organ go thin 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 thin. <laughs> what what is what is the fraud? What had she done? How did you not I know what she did. How did you catch it? Okay, so so that's that's the interesting part. So I knew she committed the fraud by going back, putting the signature in, backdating the signature and then trying to pass it off as if she did it at that time and right. there was a contract the whole time. Right. So mind you, 
they're threatening to put a lien on the property. They're threatening legal action. They're trying to tell us we got to pay her commission. So we're, we're on guard at this point. So I go into, I, I don't look at the obvious. I go into the details behind the scene. I want to know when she really signed this. So I go in, and when a PDF is created, it creates a history for the document. And she sent it to me as a PDF that she saved on her computer and sent it to me. So I went into the properties. I was able to determine the date that document was created, last edited, and compared to the time and date that she sent it to me, it was that day. So she had done it that morning. She did it that day. And right before she sent it to before, you? Before we got it, she had did it. She, so she created it. Okay. So we had them locked down. We, we knew she was done. We knew that the realtor licensing board in this state is not going to be happy. Right. Right. We know they'll take action against it. The brokers need deep in this as well. So the brokers can have something to do with it. We know we can contact the franchising division for their nationwide realty company that they're, that they're licensed through. So we're no longer worried about them. We can make them go away. Our problem goes away, right? So I send an email back to them. I said, hey, listen, we know this document. What is from? We know you created it today. We went to the properties, pulled the date and time. These are the steps that we're going to take to resolve this problem. That afternoon, the seller gets an email with a release from the broker. So they knew they were busted then. Yeah. And they they backed out. So when had they actually, was there something also about the wrong date? Yes. Oh, that was so, yeah. So the date, I said the date was important. So she photoshopped in her, her signature and the date she signed. Yes. But she put the date, instead of putting 2022, she put 2021. So had she lifted it from something else, from another date, like with a photo and, and moved it over to there? I have, I have no clue what she did or how, why she did it. But she put not 2021. Yes. And so that was obviously before they even they even claimed. To yes. Have, it's just the wrong date. Done. So. Done. They're, yeah, she was in a hurry. They're completely out of the picture. They removed themselves. They removed themselves. They removed themselves. So, you know, all right. There, there's stuff like I always think in terms of everybody that's in our apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. So for someone who is down the road a good bit and they're, they're now a six mid, mid to high six figure earner, or they're starting over with us, but they've done this before. This is going to be kind of an easier type thing. They're going to recognize it. They may not know all the steps that inspector gadget knows, to get this thing solved, but they're going to know that this, this is smells fishy mm-hmm. and they're going to wind up calling you and say, Hey, how can I verify it smells fishy? That's right. Then there's the middle part of our group. That's not brand new. They're into a bunch of it and they're going to figure some of it out, but they're going to need some help figuring out the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Then there's all our folks who've just gotten in that this right now could become, it's a great story, but you don't need to let it become some kind of, squirrel for you to where you're off of your frame and your script work and the the basics, the fundamentals of what it takes to capture equity to start with, which is what got y'all in the ball game is you knew how to capture equity. Right. With frame and script work and deal structure. Yeah, I harp on the script. Right. I believe in the script. Yeah. So don't ever go away from the script because the beauty about the script is no matter where you are, you can in the conversation you can allow the conversation to evolve. You have to evolve. You mm-hmm. got to build rapport, right? right? 
but you can always look at the script and know where you got to go back to yeah. and pick right up. So you never leave it. That script. I, I, this is weird. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've read the script and gone through the script. I intentionally don't memorize the script mm-hmm. so that I'm forced yeah. to be a slave. To that's exactly script. right. That's and and exactly I think right. that's, that's probably the best advice I could give someone on that. Yeah. I hear people sometimes say I own that script. And I get, I know what they're saying, but what I'm really wanting to see happen is that that script owns them. That's right. Absolutely. And so, I, you know, every time I'm going to get on a call, I submit myself to that script. Oh, yeah. And- it's, it's funny <laughs> because if I'm driving and someone calls me back that I left a message or someone text message and I answer it, if I don't have my script pulled up, I'm fumbling. I'm a fumbling mm-hmm. idiot. Oh, okay, great. Well, you take this much and it's my second sentence. But see, that's where you want to be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You want to be to where you can't be pulled away from that script. I'm, I'm very dependent on that. So, And so it, it's interesting. So if you're just starting and you hear this kind of story and you ask the question, oh, my, I've got to learn how to do what he just said. Well, there is out of all the deals that you've done so far, have you had another one look exactly like this problem? No, no. So you are going to need to know the basics of how to do troubleshooting on the front end. And then you're going to want to depend on someone else to help you kind of figure that one out. But you can't start assuming that every lead you're going to get, there's going to be something like this involved. And so you're pulled away from the fundamentals or the first things first stuff. You know, I've seen this. I've seen people in the, in the organization, in the group, that every deal they touch is a headache. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people slide just fly everything smooth as smooth, butter seamless and if somebody came to me and said would you rather start off with problems or have a smooth as butter i want to start off with problems yeah because actually most of the time you're going to capture more equity with sloppier deals well you are right mm-hmm. but not only that the more problems i deal with now i become a veteran down the road so when mm-hmm. they pop up or something i haven't seen pops up First thing I'm not doing is going into freak out mode. Because mm-hmm. when you see people have had the smooth and all of a sudden they hit a bump, they go into panic. Mode, right. 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 So I always tell people when they call me, it seems like every deal I get is just, there's always a problem. Well, congratulations. You want that. Yes. Get it out of the way now, my friend. And you're yeah. going to become a much better investor. Yeah. Problems are going to create for you the opportunity, always create for you the opportunity to renegotiate. Always. Always. It's like, I look forward, James Garland taught me this. Jimmy Garland. I look forward to inspection reports. I don't <laughs> worry. The negotiation does not start when we sign the PSA. That's right. It starts when that inspection report comes. That's right. It doesn't matter if the house is built today and we're inspecting it because the builder got the final approval from the county. Mm-hmm. There's going to be something because that person you're paying 500 bucks to, their job is to tell you what's wrong. Mm-hmm. So they're going to come back with problems for you. Yeah. And that's my negotiation. And that's where the fun part starts. It's a lot easier to negotiate with that inspection report than it is in the beginning. Yeah. I'm, I'm always interested when people, I hear people putting so much emphasis on what they have under contract because that's just step one. Mm -hmm. You know, there are three things following that contract that are so important that lead to whether we're going to get that, whether that's going to stay under contract or not, mm. whether and, and how good that deal is going to be. One is you're going to get that inspection report back. And so there's going to be an opportunity there. When we put it under contract as is, we did that based on the seller's picture to us because yep. we've not seen it of what as is is. 
-hmm. Once we get an inspection back and find out it's different from what we originally heard, then we're actually not buying it as it is. Right. The inspection becomes the new as is. That's correct. And so that's what gives us the freedom at that time to go back and renegotiate. But then there's a second thing, too, which Mm -hmm. is those three CMAs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always make it a point in my triage script to say, well, what do you think it's worth? Exactly. I I have, and and maybe this is a little off script, I've actually had to bring people to reality in a triage call that Zillow is not, they're giving you an inflated price Mm -hmm. and explain to them the reason Zillow does this is they're not into the business of showing you what your house is worth. They're in the business of selling your information to a realtor. Yeah. So that that realtor can sign you. Yeah. And so they're going, I said, who would you sell your house to or want to get your house listed with? The person is telling you it's worth a hundred thousand or the person is telling you worth 150. Yeah. And you know, I, I, and I understand that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I never worry about it in the triage call because when the CMAs come back, that is going to be its value at that point. Right. So regardless of what they've told me, if it's above what the CMAs come back as, we're going to be renegotiation, mm-hmm. re- renegotiating based on that. It's one of the reasons why I'll ask them, what do you think it's worth? Because that, that means that the value that I have closed on, basically, is what they're telling me, just like the repairs. Well, the script sets that up. What are you hoping to walk away with? I think those are the words. Like, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly intentionally. What are you hoping, to, what are you hoping to walk away with at the table? This is after I pay all the costs that are yeah. associated. Right? Yeah. So I think that, and it gives that sense of reality. Yeah. And then there's really one more. There's a third. And that is when the title company comes back and tells you what all's on that title. Mm-hmm. So if there are liens and judgments that show up that we've not been told about, that's the third opportunity it gives us to renegotiate then. Because it is something different from what the original as is was that caused us to put that under contract at those numbers. That's right. So uh, it's it, we're always going to have problems. We've got to be open to that. I love the, the stories you tell because they're, they are unique. The sloppier, the better. Oh, this story is not done. There's, there's a part B to this story. Excellent. Let's hear it. Okay. So we, let's go back to the problem tenants. Mm. So one of the things that we learned is that the tenant who's living there paid their rent 12 months in advance, and they're only five months into their lease agreement. And so this owner is wanting to sell before that agreement is up. That's correct. And they're not allowing people to come into the house. They did. She actually had an open house once, and that's how they found out that the house was being sold. They didn't allow the inspection to happen. Was she willing to give them back their seven months of? She tells me at one point she offered to, and they wouldn't accept it because they were. They look. They got a, a great deal on the rents. Okay. Right. They paid in advance, so now there's a problem room between them. So now we're like, okay, well, we got to walk away with you for fifteen thousand dollars. Why don't we just? do a no walk away and we'll, we'll just go ahead and let them write out their lease. I don't want to do that. So basically you're going to have her pay you out of her walk away money. That's correct. For what she owes the renters. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And we'll just let them go and we'll pay the underlying. It right. makes sense. Right. 
it's a wash. It's a zero wash for us, mm-hmm. but it's it's a wash. Yes. We, we net flat. So but she wasn't interested in it. She wasn't interested in it. And so she goes through with the eviction. She was process. not intending on paying them anyway. That's exactly right. I think that's the truth. So she she goes forward with it. They have their first court date and they're in breach of the lease agreement. And she was supposed to allow or that renter supposed to allow her to have people come in to show the house. In her sell. agreement. It's in the agreement. So the renters have breached the lease. So I expected they're going to lose and they're going to get evicted. And so I get a call from her that day. Now, I know she's going to have to refund them the money, right? Minus the legal costs right. and stuff like that. So I get a call from her that day and she, I go, I go, oh, so they out? When do they got to be out by? And this is a state you'd be out in seven days. And um, she goes, well, they came in and requested a jury trial. I can't keep a straight face when I say this because I didn't know you can get a jury trial on an eviction issue. So how much time does that give them now? Probably 12 months plus. They don't even have the ability to schedule the jury trial right now. So the judge made them post a bond. So they're paying monthly on a bond. And he put a temporary order in place that come July, they have to start paying market rents, which is going to be a rent increase for them. So now we're like, well, this is, are we just going to sit around and wait for a year or maybe even longer for this deal? Well, I mean, why not? It's just a deal that's just going to sit in the pipeline. It's either going to gain equity or lose equity, and we'll reevaluate at that time. So your seller has no extra cost between now and then, but the renters do have extra cost between now and then. Yes. Is your seller going to have to hire an attorney? She's not wanting to spend the money on an attorney. So she's just going to show up. Yeah, so here's here's what we do, right? So this is where the art of the deal making comes into play, mm. right? I, I may have read that title somewhere once or before, but um, <laughs> we won't call any names right now. Yeah, exactly. Half the crowd will love us, and half will hate us. <laughs> exactly. The, the, no sides on either way. But the beauty of it is, like you were saying, we see a negotiation opportunity. No. Well, we did. What's our what's our ability? Well, we got someone who likes the house, someone who's got money because they paid for rent 12 months in advance, right? We know that one of the tenants is a registered nurse. We don't know what the other one does. So we've got income. We, we have income. We have steady guaranteed work. You're never going to be out of a job as a nurse, right? So we, we're talking and we're saying, maybe they want to buy the house because we're going to do an owner finance on this. What if we do it this way? So then I go back to the seller. I said, hey, why don't we just, I got to inherit your legal problem. And this could be over a year. You guys aren't in a position to handle this. We can handle this. Why don't you just walk away? And with zero, we'll take that money. We'll let them write out their lease and we'll deal with any eviction issues. Knowing that when we take it, we now are the owner. She no longer has a legal standing. And we'll just tell the other attorney for the other side to file a motion to dismiss and we'll, we'll concur that the person no longer has a merit in the lawsuit because they don't own the property. And then our goal is to get them to buy it. So I approach the attorney. I, she doesn't, the seller doesn't know the attorney information. So I go pull the, the court record, get the attorney. Right. And I talk to him and he's going to take it to his sellers or his clients to see if they're interested in the deal that we're offering. them. It's a sweet deal. Yeah. Especially when you look at today's rates and we're offering 7.99. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, so I wouldn't, 
she's rejecting our deal. The seller's rejecting our offer. So I go quiet on her because she's rejecting your offer to owner finance the house. No, the seller wants to give us credit on the walkaway, the $15,000 walkaway for the remaining six months now. Okay. And then she wants 6,000 cash. I think it's what it was. We're like, no, we don't want to give you any cash. We got to assume your legal responsibility. Right. And so I basically ignore her on that issue. Right. And now I'm doing a silent takeaway. Right. Detailed frame. And yeah. And then she contacts me yesterday and wants to talk. Do we have something we can do? Yes. I think we can go with what we talked about. But you rejected that. And she goes, well, I think we can talk about it. I said, we'll talk about it in more detail. So I'm going to talk to her today in more detail about it. Okay. So there's a part two to this. There's a, there's going to be a part two to this, right? Exactly. But if we can get this deal with no walk away and we have to cover the mortgage for the next seven months, it still was what we had in place mm-hmm. minus $6,000. So we're actually going to make an extra $6,000 on this. But if they come back and they want to do an owner finance, yeah, we just hit a grand slam. Yeah, We never would hit that grand slam if we didn't deal with the attorney and the realtor problem and get creative on that. Mm-hmm. And we actually were doing all of this and it wasn't the numbers we wanted. We were actually going to gonna sell this lead, this signed contract and go all the steps on all the way to make sure everything went through with another, with another investor. So, I mean, for me, the whole story is a powerful look at what frame is. So in the beginning, cause I talk so much about frame when we're doing script work, people think that frame is simply, the way we walk through the script. It's not. It's the way we walk through an entire deal. That's right. The frame is the seller's motivation and my non-motivation. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you said, well, we're just going to go quiet here. And we're going to wait and let the seller come back to us. And now they have. That is frame. And we hold frame through the entire process. No matter who's in play. We're holding frame. Then it turns out you have two motivated people in the group. You have someone wanting to sell and someone possibly wanting to buy. That's correct. So holding frame of both of their motivation, they both are motivated to do something here. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's amazing the way you have just slowly walked through it with that frame in mind the whole time. And even switching, toggling back and forth between the seller and a potential buyer which in the beginning was nothing more than a problem. That's right. But because you hold frame, that problem now may be an answer. You know, we approach every deal. They need us more than we need them. Exactly. Because why? They reached out to us. Yeah. We didn't reach out to them. Yeah. In the beginning, when I first started doing this with Brad, it would upset me so bad when they would go silent on me. And... After a while, I realized that the issue was that they went silent on me before I could, I should have gone silent on them. Takeaway. Yes. It's because I didn't realize how much motivation was alive and jumping around inside of me. Mm-hmm. So I was actually more motivated than they were. So another so story. I had no frame. Another story. I don't know how much time we have here, but another story, we, we had a lady reach out to us in uh, South Carolina. And her motivation was she was in a marriage that was so abusive 
and she couldn't get any help from the police and she was having to get a restraining order from the court and she wanted to sell the house so she could get away from him. And we verified this was her sole and separate property. He had no interest in the house. It was before their marriage, everything. So we, as we're talking to her, I said, well, where are you going to move to? Because in my mind, I'm always thinking, is there somebody else? And in South Carolina, we have a particular um, person in the group who does North Carolina, South Carolina, and does owner finance. So um, I've referred a couple people over to them. And I'm thinking in my mind, we can do this and maybe send her a deal, right? Mm -hmm. And then she goes, I I just need to get out of this state and get away from here. I said, what about Florida? We got a property in Florida, right? So I literally got her and her sister decided to move with her and they're going and we now sold them. We already did contact for deed. They bought the house in Florida. We got her house in South Carolina Uh for, I I don't want to say the number too much, but it covered her down payment and moving expenses. And we're going to make probably four plus times, but on the house, but we're paying cash because there was no underlying and we're going to own or finance that. Mm-hmm. So in that one deal, because we were thinking, how can we help this lady? We helped her with the situation. We had to move some numbers on our end on our owner finance to make it happen. But we will more than make up for it on her house. Yeah. Yeah. You you just moved dead over. Yeah. And, and captured more equity here than you would have had in this deal. And we took her from a single wide rundown trailer type environment to putting her into a mansion. Uh-huh. Like she's never lived in a house that she's moving into. Oh, that's, that's quality. Beautiful. Right. And her sister had two requirements. A <laughs> fence. It have a place or a fence for their dog, Blue. Old Blue. Yeah, old Blue. And it did. And does it have a place for her to put a garden? It did. We met the requirements. Mm. Mm. That fence ain't going to keep the rabbits out there. Telling you they're going to eat that lady's lettuce alive. Yeah, gosh. I, we have a mini farm in my backyard because <laughs> my father-in-law comes over and just makes a huge <laughs> farm. And we deal with rabbits all the time. <laughs> well, folks, it's always good to have Paul Dillon with us. I know Brad calls him Big Polly. You, you know, he's such a sweetheart, though. He, you never think of him as like Big Polly, you know, coming through the door. And he's like punching holes in the wall and, and, uh, you know, he's trying, he's always putting his gun back in his holster. It's never like that. He's a big old baby. I see him in like donut crumbs around that corner of his mouth. And I'm just a big baby. Huey. Just I just need one of those hats. Yeah, I just yeah. The whole big Polly thing's such a front. He's such a sweetheart. <laughs> so anyway, with this clandestine location where he's farming, his own community out there that we don't know anything about, but it could be an hour west of Des Moines. It could be an hour west of Des Moines. Hey, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, hopefully, Brad Smotherman will appear again. Oh, yeah. Think uh, maybe I mean, we may have to send you out there. We might have. We might have to. Uh, see you next week. <laughs>